1200 presents the Ottawa 67's Buzz on Junior Hockey, a weekly trip around the OHL. Now, let's put on the elbow pads and talk hockey. Welcome to another edition, the final edition of the Buzz on Junior Hockey here on TSN 1200 for 2014-2015, the season finale edition I'm Lee Sage. What a program we have for you. We're going to be joined in a few minutes by the Director of Scouting for TSN, former National Hockey League General Manager Craig Button. We'll talk about his April rankings. We'll talk about the central scouting lists that have come out. The final list tell you where Travis Konechny, Connor McDavid, he's number one, and Jack Eichel, and so on and so on, are on the list and break down some of the top prospects as we get a little bit closer here to the NHL entry draft in June. Speaking of drafts, the OHL priority selection will be tomorrow, and the Ottawa 67s will select 16th. General Manager Pat Higgins will join us to talk about that and a look back at the season that was for the Ottawa 67s. And the season that was... A first-round playoff exit. The four-seed versus the five-seed. The Niagara Ice Dogs, the five-seed, defeat the Ottawa 67s. Four games to two. Ottawa taking a two-games-to-none lead in the series. 8-5 and 8-2. They win games one and two. They go back to Niagara. They get thumped in game number three. And then we're up 3-2 with two and a half minutes to go in game number four. Kind of a fluky tying goal. And then the Ice Dogs won it in overtime and carried that momentum through here to a big victory in game number five in Ottawa. And then went on to finish the series last Sunday afternoon. The Ottawa 67s season done. But what a season it was. Head coach Jeff Brown, his first year in the Ontario Hockey League. Pat Higgins, general manager that we'll talk to in a few minutes. And he's been around the block probably more times than some of us ever get to start, but still his first year as the head boss, the general manager of the hockey club. And you look to some of the young players, so much focus coming into the year on Travis Konechny, who went through an injury at the beginning of the year, missed some time, tried to come back, struggled a little bit, and then kind of found his game in the middle of the year in the MVP of the top prospects game, finished the year with 68 points in 60 games, also had 10 points in the playoffs, in just six games. So Travis Konechny, who hurt his shoulder not once, but twice near the end of the year, including in the playoffs, and hopefully he can get healthy, and a projected first-round pick in the National Hockey League this year. What a year Dante Salaturo had. 37 goals, 78 points in 68 games, included in that 13 power play goals. Dante Salaturo, I think, came in with some questions, and people questioning him whether he could live up as a top scorer now that he's in the league here for his third year. And he has, I think, wowed a lot of people, Dante Salaturo, a guy that you know came into this league a, a few years ago as a real young man, kind of 15, just turning 16. And you know, in his 18-year-old year, put up some real good numbers. And hopefully for Dante Salaturo, he will be going to a team in June as well. The team voted Alex Lentiniemi, their MVP, back on defense. And for Alex Lentiniemi, his season not over yet as 
It looks like he's going to be in the lineup tonight for the Manchester Monarchs, who are playing Portland in the playoffs. And this is a guy that signs an ATO, so his season continuing the second-round pick of the Los Angeles Kings. So what a good year he had. And you think to Jeremiah Addison, he is draft eligible. He had 47 points this year. You know, some of the contributions of Nathan Todd and Sam Studnika, and they bring in Curtis Meehan and Evan DeHaan and Trent Millette and Adam Kravich, and the list goes on. And what Jeff Brown had to do was bring everybody together with some youth. We forgot about Liam Herbst in net. Uh, had a, just a terrific year, uh, Liam Herbst, uh, this year, as did uh, Leo Lazarev. Herbst playing the majority of the games, but you know, played 39 games this year, went 24-8-3 and three, uh, with a save percentage over 9, 2.76 goals against, and he is looking to be drafted as well come the National Hockey League. But this team going to be better next year because of the experience that it went through this year. Should tell you as well about the Gatineau Olympique, who begin tonight, round number two in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League playoffs. They were a 14 seed. 16 teams make the playoffs, and the 14 seed had to play a Blainville, Montreal, not given all that much of a chance, but they beat Blainville, Montreal in six games. Benoit Grew does it again with some off the ice turmoil for the Olympique during the year, but they come together to win in six games. So they start in Ramouski this evening, and games three and four back in Gatineau at the Robert Gertin Arena come Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. So make sure, if you have a chance, get down to the Robert Gertin Arena. What an atmosphere that building can provide. And the young upstart Gatineau Olympique looking to make another dent against the number one seed in the Ramouski Oceanique. The OHL priority selection tomorrow morning. And the Ottawa 67s will pick 16th in that priority selection, looking to add another young man that will be able to provide this lineup with some depth. And you think back, they're picking 16th. You go back to 2010, Sean Monahan, the 16th overall pick. Cody Cece was a later round pick for this hockey club as well. So kind of late in the first round, the Ottawa 67s, I've always gone out and found a player and a real good player. We'll see if they can do it again tomorrow morning. As we mentioned, Pat Higgins, general manager of the team, will join us a little bit later on to recap a great year for the Soissons set and look ahead to tomorrow. But coming up next, we're going to have our director of scouting for TSN, Craig Button. will talk about Connor McDavid, Jack Eichel, Noah Hannafin, and Travis Konechny, all when we come back on the Buzz on Junior Hockey on TSN 1200. You're listening to Ottawa's one and only junior hockey show, Ottawa 67's Buzz on Junior Hockey on TSN 1200. Welcome back to the Buzz on Junior Hockey, the season finale of the Buzz on Junior Hockey, and what better guest to have on than the director of scouting from TSN. He's a former National Hockey League general manager and all-around good guy. At least that's what I say to his face. Craig Button from TSN. Craig, how are you? I'm very good, Lee. How are you? Uh, doing excellent. Love this time. Good. Love this time of year, and it really does separate sometimes the 
men from the boys, when you're looking at what guys are capable of as we wind our way to the National Hockey League draft in June in Florida, uh, maybe just a quick thought on the Ottawa 67s, kind of what you saw from head coach Jeff Brown. Uh, a lot of focus, of course, because they do have Travis Konechny and Dante Salaturo and Liam Herbst and Jeremiah Addison. We'll get to all those guys in a second. But, you know, in a year where they hadn't made the playoffs in the last couple of years, new head coach kind of turned things around here in Ottawa, Craig. Well, I mean, I don't think anybody should be surprised. Uh, you go back and look at what Jeff has been able to do in his previous stops uh, before Ottawa. He's taken teams. He's uh, helped them become better. He's uh, helped players improve their game and, and get uh, uh, playing to their potential. And, uh, you know, when you when you look at uh, the championship part of it, I mean, that's the end result. But it's because of everything else he's done. And I, I, I think Jeff is, uh, is, is, he has the courage of his convictions, number one. And number two, I think that he knows the game exceptionally well. And so, you know, when you, when you go and work at it uh, from a coaching perspective, and, and, and Jeff is a great example, longtime NHLer, and then he starts coaching. He starts coaching at, at lower levels, and he coaches, and he starts moving up the ranks. And all Jeff is doing is learning how to coach, preparing himself to be a coach, and to me, that is the tried and true way to get yourself to be the best coach possible and move to the NHL. And like another guy who went through St. Louis, John Cooper, who's now in Tampa Bay, don't be surprised when Jeff Brown is behind an NHL bench uh, sometime in the future. Now, I know that a lot of focus, of course, on Travis Konechny of the Ottawa 67s. First of all, he hurt his shoulder. He came back. He hurt it again in the playoffs. What will that do to a young man that, will compete against other guys when it comes to you know, size and the ability to go into the difficult areas on the ice? Yeah, I don't think. I, I, you know, I think that, you know, it becomes, uh, with any player, there becomes different factors that you ask yourself, what are the concerns? But, you know, you, you know Travis is in the guts of the action, and Travis is, is a player that he doesn't know any other way. So, you know, the, the things that make him... Uh, unique and make him special and make him a, a player that you really like uh, are also some of the things that are going to uh, uh, land him sometimes on, on, on injury day. But once he physically matures, and I talk about, I'm not, I'm talking about physical maturity. You know, you, you hear the term man strength, you know, Travis will be able to handle the things that, uh, that, that, that come his way. It's just, you know, he ended up with a, with an unfortunate injury, he tried to play through it. And, you know, at, at, at the end of the day, he just couldn't do it anymore. And I told you how serious the injury is if he can't play through it because Travis can play through a lot of things. I, I, I said this, I think, to you before, Lee. He reminds me a lot of Pat Verbeek. Pat Verbeek was never the biggest guy. Pat Verbeek scored over 500 goals, 1,000 points. He helped you win. That's what I see in Travis connecting. TSN Director of Scouting, Craig Button, joining us here on the Buzz on Junior Hockey. And you know, I don't know how much you got a chance to see some of the other Ottawa 67s, but you know, from a goaltender in Liam Herbst to Jeremiah Addison to Dante Salaturo, it really was a 67s team, Craig, that was led by a bunch of 17 and 18 year olds and not 19 and 20 year olds as we're used to seeing in junior hockey. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, look at uh, London when they, uh, you know, three times to the Memorial Cup 
three straight years. I mean, Max Domi and Bo Horvat and Ole Matta, they were young guys. I, I, I think we spend too much time on on uh, looking at birth certificates and not enough time looking at the players. You know, if a player can help you win, I don't care if you're 16 or 19. You know, we know that uh, experience helps you, and we know that a lot of 16-year-olds aren't ready to play. But if, if a player comes to the rink and he's ready to put in the time and he's ready to put in the effort and he wants to be coached and he, and he, and he can get better, then allow him to get better. I, I think the biggest mistakes, Lee, are not made in play. It's at the beginning of the year when young players are more uh, uh, ready, they're not worn down. Those are the times when I think you got to test players. The, the first 20 games or so, see what they're capable of. If they don't show that they've fallen off, keep playing them. Keep showing. Uh, let them keep showing what they're capable of. And, and let's not eliminate them or declassify them, so to speak, just based on their age. I think Jeff, uh, this year in Ottawa, is a great example of that. And, you know, if, if I have, if, if you have players that are hungry to learn and hungry to get better day in, day out, that's what I want to be around. Because it's not about where you start in September, it's where you finish at the end of the season. I think the Ottawa 67s are a good example of that. It's a great point that you make. Sometimes when guys are on top the entire way through, like Connor McDavid, uh, I hearken back to you know a guy like John Tavares or the other guys that were projected number one picks the entire way through, even Steven Stamkos, and we, we tend to pick their games apart. That really hasn't happened, I don't think, with Connor McDavid. He might have even excelled and put that gap a little bit bigger between himself and Jack Eichel. Do you agree with that, that Connor McDavid seemed to get better, if that's possible, along this year? Uh, and I, I mean, I think I, I think that if you want to go and look at uh, at the uh, evaluation of players, and you, you, I can go to any game, Lee. I can go and watch Sidney Crosby play, and I can pick out five things in a game and say, "Boy, these are big problems with Sidney Crosby." You know, to me, the game. There's going to be mistakes made in the game. The great players make mistakes uh, because they they want to make a difference because they have the puck. And again, you're looking at it in the balance. To me, it's a balance sheet. You, Harry Sinden said to me that he told me this years ago. He said Raymond Bork usually once or twice a game makes a massive mistake, and, and, and at times that puck ends up in our net. But Raymond Bork, he says, 17 or 18 times a game, he does things that very few players can do that help us win a lot more games than we lose. He said, if I want to try to focus in on the one or two, I'm going to lose the 17 or 18. He goes, and that's not a trade-off I'm prepared to make. Now, we talked about coaching. We talked about Jeff Brown. That's the same thing that goes in. Like If you're always on the margins, if you're always just breaking even, well, then you got to start to evaluate. you got to be on the positive side of the ledger. And the great players, the top players, always find their way on the top side of the ledger. And I don't think there's any question that that's the way I look at it. If you want to look at it as a negative, there's not a game you can go to. The opening face-off, somebody wins it and somebody loses it. You can start right from there. <laughs> a great point. Uh, Dylan Stroh, Mitch Marner battled all the way until the final regular season game to see who would take away the scoring title. Uh, I think we all assume McDavid and Eichel are going 1-2 in the NHL draft. Uh, tell us about Dylan Stroh, Mitch Marner, how they finished the seasons, and what type of players you expect them to be at the next level. 
Okay, I'll tell you first with Dylan Strom, I think he's going to be uh, a championship number one center. I think that championship teams uh, not only have centers like him, but uh, those guys carry significant responsibility uh, for their teams. Uh, I see Dylan Strom a lot like Andre Kopitar. Uh, is Dylan Strom going to uh, be a hundred points score in the National Hockey, ninety points score, whatever the number is? I don't see that. But like Andre Kopitar, he's going to contribute in every single area of the game, every shift, all the important areas, and he's going to help you win. And that's the type of sentiment I want on my team. And I think Dylan is all of those things. I mean, when you lead the OHL in scoring at 17 years of age, you have high-end skill. And certainly Dylan has that, but he's got smarts, discipline, competitiveness. And there's not any area of the game that you can't put him in where he can't make an impact and help you be successful in that area. You know, interestingly enough, when it comes to Mitch Marner uh, and for Ottawa fans who have watched uh, Eric Carlson play for a lot of years and how dynamic he is, and, you know, he lines up a defense, but, you know, people call him a rover, an offense man, but he's very unique. He, he plays the position uh, very differently than most players. I think the same thing about Mitch Marner. I think that Mitch Marner, uh, I saw him last week play center ice. He, he only happened to score a hat trick. But he, he's played right wing uh, the vast majority of time in the OHL. But I think he's unique because he may start when the puck is dropped there, but there's no place he can't be on the ice. There's no place that he won't impact uh, in the game. And like Eric Carlson, I, I think those guys are so hard to defend because if they don't know what they're going to do, how does the opponent know what they're going to do? <laughs> and that speaks to their creativity, to their ability to see the game uh, unfold uh, in ways that very few are capable of seeing it unfold. And, you know, they see plays that, that, that most players don't see. And they have the patience to let it, to let it develop till everybody else can get on board, so to speak. I mean, you combine all those skills. That's why Eric Carlson's a dynamic player. That's why I think Mitch Marner will be a dynamic player at the National League level. I think there are a number of players, once you get past the Dylan Stroms and the Mitch Marners, kind of in that 5-10 to 10 window coming up in the draft, that at least people here don't know a whole lot about and haven't had a chance to watch. Can you just tell us a little bit about some of the guys like Noah Hannafin, like Zach Wierenski, and especially... You know, Kyle Connor and Brock Bozer, that uh, guys that play in the USHL that, again, don't have the familiarity up here in Canada? Well, just because you don't have familiarity doesn't mean you're not a good player. Uh, you know, uh, having watched these players for, for a number of years and watching them excel, I mean, Kyle Connor was on the under 18 team last year that won gold in Finland uh, for Team USA, and he was a very good player there uh, against. Uh, his, his birth year group of 1996s. Uh, he's going to lead the league. He should lead the league in the USHL in scoring this year. And we're talking about, like, I'm not looking at where they play, Lee. I'm looking at what skills and attributes do they have that translates to the NHL. And whether that be a high school player, a player playing in the CHL, a player in the NCAA, USHL Europe, that's what I'm looking at. And those skills are about skating and thinking and what you do with your hands and how you approach the game from a competitive point of view. And it doesn't matter what level you're at. So, uh, you know, familiarity 
I mean, may, maybe people aren't as familiar with them, and you know that's where I can uh, hopefully come in and try to shed some light on those guys because uh, you know I'm seeing approximately 110 games a year of uh, of the of, 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 of upcoming talent all around the world. So you know th- th- these are really good players. Brock Besser, uh, you know I-, I watch players play, and y- you talk about uh, Kyle Okposa who went seventh overall. He came from the same league. Talak Post is a very good player in the National Hockey League. And Brock Besser might be exactly like Talak Postal. So, you know, despite being in the USHL uh, or or maybe in a league that isn't as notorious or as well-known as other leagues, it's about the players, and and, and that's where I keep it. I don't keep it at the league level. Before I let you go, I'm very interested in your take on the National Hockey League doing it a little bit differently this year. We know that... Uh, the team that finishes in the bottom will get either the first or second pick in the draft. There's only a 20% chance that the bottom team gets that pick and a 33% chance that the bottom two teams can win the lottery. That's drastically different from almost 75% the year before. But even next year, Craig, when it, I mean, the team that finishes last overall could possibly pick fourth last because they're almost going to do three different lotteries. Do you like the fact that the NHL and the system, the way that it's weighted, could see any one of the 14 teams win the lottery and potentially get a Connor McDavid? Uh, yes, I do. And uh, I think that there's a, lot of, there's a lot in your question. And so I, I'm going to try to tackle a couple of things. This year, you know, the draft comes about and Connor McDavid is coming up and Jack Eichel. And, you know, now, now the, the, the new buzzword in draft circles is, uh, is tanking. So we, you know, there wasn't really something that, that, that people spent a lot of time on. But when you get in a draft with these types of players, you know, you, all they're trying to tank. Well, the NHL was way out in front on this. They've been out way out in front on this for a number of years, and they wanted to make changes uh, to the to the draft uh, lottery. Now it, it, it had to be collectively bargained, so it was only uh, at the, at the, when the new CBA came in in 2013 that they were able to make, uh, uh, you know, really a significant dent in it. And I'm going to go back a little bit further. Ken Holland, years ago, and amongst other general managers, even when I was a manager, we, we talked about, you know, does the 30th, should, should the 30th, should the team that wins the Stanley Cup, even if they have the 17th pick, be picking 17th, they got the reward. So we saw changes to the draft in that regard, where the Stanley Cup champion picks 30th, the finalist 29th, the conference finalists, 27th and 28th, and, and going like that. So th- this is something that's evolved, and, and we've reached this point. But the NHL had significant foresight because the rules they were putting into place were such that this year we have the change in, 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 the, in, the, in, the, in the lottery percentages in terms of what your chances are of winning it, and then next year's a significant step of where the first three teams are going to be chosen via the lottery. And what that does, in my view, it eliminates all the uh, will eliminate all the talk about tanking. Maybe not, but what it does is, is it puts uh, uh, competitiveness at the front of the of, of the discussion, not tanking. And you, you keep integrity within within your draft process. And in a league where winning matters and competing matters, then you now can say. You know what? There's the, the benefits for finishing last or trying to finish last. You know what? They're not as great. You better think about that. 
The NHL had that foresight. Next year, it's going to be in the place. I think it's fantastic. But the NHL has been out in front of this for a number of years. It just happened to be that they didn't get it in during this year uh, with Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel coming in. Craig Button from TSN, Director of Scouting. You can check out his stuff, wonderful stuff. A great article, Suspenseful Race for number 3. His April rankings are out. TSN.ca, Craig's List. You can find it and get everything you need to know about the, the draft as it comes to us quite soon now in less than three months in Florida. Look forward to it, Craig. Can't wait for the build-up in one of the greatest drafts ever and Hopefully, uh, we'll have a chance to talk to you before that happens. Once again, appreciate your time. My pleasure, Lee. Anytime. And there goes a TSN Director of Scouting, Craig Button. We'll be back with more of the Buzz on Junior Hockey here on TSN 1200. You're listening to Ottawa's one and only Junior Hockey Show. Ottawa 67's Buzz on Junior Hockey on TSN 1200. Welcome back to the Buzz on Junior Hockey here on TSN 1200, a season finale edition. And, of course, that kind of coincides uh, with our next guest, who I'm sure will look back with us, but also look ahead, and that is the general manager of your Ottawa 67s, Pat Higgins. Mr. Higgins, how are you? Just fine, Lee. How about yourself? Uh, Doing okay, thank you. Um... You've had a couple of days to reflect on the playoffs and maybe a little bit more the season. Uh, how are you feeling today, a few days removed from the six-game loss to Niagara? Uh, yeah, Every day gets a little easier uh, and getting ready for the draft on Saturday. So it doesn't take long before you you know, you know have your, your hat and your focus in a different direction. And But looking back on the year, um, it, it was a very, very good year. Uh, I think the team came a long way, you know, with new coaches and uh, rookie GM and, um, you know, a whole bunch of players that had never, you know, been in a playoff situation. So for them to get themselves into into a playoff situation and, and you know, compete uh, compete very well in, in a series that I think could have went either way, uh, we did come out on the on the short end of it. But all in all, it was a, I think it was a very good season and a good playoff. In just regarding the series in particular, do you look back to maybe the last three minutes of game number four as your chance to have a different outcome in this series? Yes, uh, for sure. And I mean, you know, that's we also lost that game in overtime. And then uh, I thought game six that uh, we, you know, had a very good push in the third period of that game. So I thought, you know, game four, game six, both in their rink where they, they only have one loss since. Uh, since Christmas, I thought that you know our guys came hard and and uh, did everything uh, but win. How difficult was it without Travis Konechny to see him get injured and the same injury that he had a few weeks before the regular season ended? Uh, you know, obviously that's a that's a huge loss when you lose lose your captain and he you know he was leading our team in scoring at that point. He had ten points in five games, uh, so you know it, it's obviously a huge loss, but. I found that even during the year when we were missing him at times, other guys stepped up and played hard. And um, I thought game six was no different. Uh, you know, I, I thought I w- it was a very solid effort from our boys from from start to finish. Um, but you would have loved to have Travis in the lineup. General Manager of your Ottawa 67s, Pat Higgins, joining us on the Buzz on Junior Hockey. You know, you get to the end of the year and you mentioned it's a new coach, it's a new system, you're back playing at TD Place, a lot of players that haven't been through the playoffs before. Uh, take us through 
you know, where your mindset was in the couple in the first couple months of the year to where it is now. There's obviously been some great progression. Where has that been for you? Well, you know, again, we added a few pieces here and there, and like any team, you it takes you a little while before you, you know, you find out your strengths and your weaknesses, and and so you know, throughout the year and up to the trade that de- trade deadline, we tried to address some of those needs, and um, you know, I thought we did a good job as far as some of the deals that we made, um, bringing kids in, you know, like a Trent Millett and a, um, you know, Evan DeHaan, and uh, you know, all the kids we brought in, Ryan Orban and. Uh, you know, there's going to help our future. Adam Kravich will help our future. Uh, Curtis Meehan was a, you know, a very good addition, a very useful player for us down the stretch and in the playoffs. So, you know, I think the moves that we made this year helped us. Um, and, you know, I think going forward, we, you know, even in the Bradford trade, we end up with, uh, with an extra second and an extra third in the drafts, uh, you know, over the next couple of years. So, um, I think in the next three drafts after this, we have extra picks in rounds uh, two, three, and four. Um, you know, each year, like one year we'll have two in round four, one year we'll have two in round three, and then one of the years I think we have we have two in round two. So, um, you know, we're in good shape that way going forward. Um, it's just a matter of shoring up our defense a bit this year because we do have quite a few forwards back, and we have, you know, uh, of our 95 defensemen, um, you can only go with uh, with three OAs, and we have you know Stanik and Todd, who we the whole organization's fond of them as forwards. So for us, it's just to make the right decision on what ninety fives we keep, and then uh, we'll have some assets to be able to move and and hopefully you know, up our defense going forward. Pat Higgins, general manager of your Ottawa Sixty Sevens, uh, joining us here on the Buzz on Junior Hockey, the experience. As you said, you brought in some role players, but you look to your lineup, and in the playoffs, you have a draft-eligible goaltender. You have you know, your top scorers in Travis Konechny and Dante Salaturo, Jeremiah Addison on that list, you know, playing in big roles on the hockey team. You know, For them, it's tough to win with guys of that age consistently in this league, but maybe just speak to the experience that they got and hopefully for you and your organization, going to benefit you here in the next couple of years. Yeah, it, that's one of the things we talked about, even on the bus ride home, uh, for those types of, of kids that uh, to see the hurt uh, and to see what it feels like to lose out in the playoffs, uh, I think is, is something that every kid has to go through. I think in order to learn how to win, you have to learn how to lose. And so, um, you know, they had two tough years, but... Uh, you know, getting into the playoffs is one thing, and you know I preach that to them. But I think it takes a, it takes a certain type of player to win in the playoffs, and uh, so they got that experience. And like I said, they really held themselves. You know, for me, they they competed hard, and I think they learned something about themselves and about the identity of our hockey team. Uh, and like you said, the core of our leadership group is is all very young, and they'll all be back to to push next year, and uh, you know to push not only get in the playoffs, but but hopefully. Uh, you know, go further than they did this year. When you hired Jeff Brown, now a year through, is he what you thought you were going to get? Uh, certainly an entertaining coach uh, to watch, uh, a motivating coach. Uh, he's even said that he's been hard on his players, but that's his style. And uh, I think it's fascinating just to watch him coach a game on the bench. He's up, he's down, he's hard on guys, he's motivating guys, patting them on the back. I mean, he is full of energy on the bench during games. Yeah, no, he's a he's a winner, 
That's, that's pretty well the simplest way to put it. Uh, he's very demanding, but he's very fair. Uh, he knows what he wants. Uh, he, you know, he knows what it takes for our team to win. He doesn't take him long to figure guys out, and uh, you know he's very consistent in his message. And you know, right from the start of the year till the end of the year, uh, he held guys accountable. And I think guys really appreciated it. You know, um, interaction meetings. Uh, every guy said that they enjoyed the year, that they enjoyed being pushed, and that they, you know, they really benefited from uh, from the coaching staff this year. Would you tell me if they said different? <laughs> sure. <laughs> See, that's what we like about you, Pat, that uh, you do also a very straight shooter. What about yourself? What about as you've been around this for so long? I'm sure it wasn't that much different for you from what you already were doing for this hockey club. But once you become the guy and have the title of general manager beside your name, is it different from what you thought it was going to be? Oh, yeah. You know, I think any time you take a uh, uh, a promotion or you take on more responsibility, if you you know if you want to do the best job you can, then I think with it becomes you know a little bit more pressure. And uh, you know, for us this year too, I think our expectations, you know, and maybe I set them that way. And and our goal was to, was to make the playoffs. And you know, our message to our kids at the beginning of the year, uh, you know, to our ownership, to everybody that we were done losing. And so, you know, I felt, you know, a certain amount of pressure to make sure that, that we lived up to those expectations. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and, you know, also in a scouting role. So I, I, I was very busy this year. Um, but uh, it was, it, you know, all in all, it's very rewarding uh, to be in this position. Could you tell us a little bit more? I think you referred to it there, and I've heard you mention before, but what you told the players and the coaches and everybody else on that first day of training camp this year, because I think it's an interesting story from what happened the previous two years. Well, again, it's, it's just, you know, the previous two years were, you know, were what they were, but I just, you know, like you said, I have been with this organization a long time and, and probably got spoiled, you know, um, you get used to winning and, and, uh, you know, losing, you know, for me is not acceptable. And it was just kind of a, you know, when I got hired, it was just something that I had spoke to our ownership about that, you know, this was going to be my stance. And um, and so just in our very first meeting, it was just nothing earth shattering that I think it's what every organization probably, you know, when they start out to be in the year, I think it's, it's probably a common goal is, um, you know, that losing is not acceptable here. And if, if, if you're not here to help me win, then, then you probably will not be here. And it wasn't personal. And, you know, being a guy that had been, you know, involved in drafting or or trading for guys or had a little bit of a hand in, you know, most of the guys being there, I think they understood that, um, you know, that for one thing we're serious. And the second thing is that, you know, here's a guy that brought us in here one way or another. Um, either we're here to help him win or we're probably not going to last here. And uh, we did make a few moves that, you know, some guys, you know, maybe weren't happy and weren't happy with ice time or just weren't happy with the direction we were going in. And so I think some of those little moves that we made, I think, helped us in the long run. Take us through what you're expecting come tomorrow morning and the OHL priority selection. Always a great time, you and your staff. I know, you know, it's just tireless, tireless work, not a lot of credit, and this is Christmas Day for a lot of the people that work for you, and of course, you're part of that group. How exciting is it, and what can we expect tomorrow morning? Well, again, uh, it's funny because you hear it every year, but 
this is the, the first year in a while that we don't, you know, the one year for me when I got more involved or had more say in, in the scouting department, we were picking first. We took Travis Konechny. So a lot of the work was done before draft day. And then last year we picked third. And uh, by the time it got to draft day, we, we, we had secured our pick and uh, we knew who was going to go one and two. So we were able to go ahead and uh, as a group, uh, our consensus is who, who our pick was going to be at three. But sitting this year, we will we will pick the 16th kid in the draft, and so um, you're sitting there for probably, you know, it's I think it's five minutes per pick. So we're going to be sitting there watching 15 guys go before we pick, um, and there's not a darn thing you can do about it. So you just be ready, and you have your you know your group of five guys that you have in around that area that, and uh, you hope to get one of them when it comes uh, when it comes to your pick. Tell us why you pick 16th. Well, we have the 14th pick, but there's two compensatory picks this year. Um, Owen Sound uh, picked Vic- Victor Mete last year, and he did not report, and they, they traded him to London. So they get their their pick plus a compensatory pick. And also Niagara, who uh, picked up uh, Logan Brown, which is Jeff's son, and, and uh, Logan ended up being traded to, uh, to Niagara or to Niagara, to Windsor. And uh, from Niagara, and so they also have a compensatory pick. So this year, there's actually uh, 22 picks in the first round rather than 20. And I think a lot of people that just kind of look to the standings would wonder why you pick 16th. But that's a very good explanation. Is this a high-end draft? Compare this class to others. Um, there may not be the, the high-end guys at the top. Uh, uh, but I think that, uh, you know, it's like any draft. I think it's probably going to be deeper than people think. And there'll be some prizes, some surprises in this draft. You know, kids that maybe are taken a little bit later in the draft that, that turn out to be better than people think they're going to be. Um, either they just, they will grow or they just take a little bit long time to get stronger. And, uh, so I, you know, every draft has its surprises and this draft will be no different. Remind me where you picked Sean Monahan in the first round. <laughs> late Cody CC late so we've been lucky a few years with with uh, some of those guys we were just talking about that the other day I was watching Cody on TV with some guys and um you know I I think it was you were early in the year asked me a question about who some of my great uh, picks were that the 67s and you know some of the local guys and I forgot Cody CC so I'm glad you brought it up because uh if there's anyone, I'm I'm proud to say that uh, you know was an Ottawa boy, and that we were able to draft him and and have him be an Ottawa 67, and then turn out to be such a great pro. Um, he's a name I forgot, and uh, that's when you get put on the spot earlier. You you forget sometimes over the years, but uh, you know because we've mentioned the Brandon Bells and the Dan Testes and the John Zions and you know all all the good 67s that came out of Ottawa. Well, uh, Cody's just. Can, it doesn't have to take a, a back seat to anybody, that's for sure. Right, and the reason I brought up Sean Monahan is because he was 16th back in yeah. 2010, the same number that you'll be picking at come tomorrow. So uh, hopefully, you know, just go out and get another Sean Monahan. That'd be great. Uh, do you do you look back right now, just over the last few years? I know you again. You've been at it for such a long time, but boy, between Sean Monahan and Tyler Toffoli and Peter Morazic and Cody Cece and you know, Shane Prince came up, all a part of the same hockey team a, a few years ago. For a guy that is on the front lines and, and scouting Tyler these Grayback guys. Tyler was also part of that crew. Yeah, Tyler Grayback as well. He played yeah. some games in Minnesota this year. So, yeah, out of that, you know, that uh, three- to four-year span of, of those kids, there's quite a few of them. Have, you know, some of them are 
everyday regulars in the NHL, and some of those, uh, at least about four of the ones you mentioned, are, you know, borderlines on, on being stars if they aren't already. So, yeah, like Toffoli, Monaghan, and CeCe, and uh, Morazic, and uh, those are those are good days, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, certainly proud from the organization. Pat Higgins, general manager of the Ottawa 67s, joining us here on the Buzz on Junior Hockey. As we wrap this up, you know, as the priority selection unfolds tomorrow, and I know that you're looking forward to that to build the future of this team, in the back of your mind, and I know this might be a little bit away, but do you start to look at 2018 and the possibility, I know it's certainly not fait accompli as of yet, but the possibility that Ottawa might host the Memorial Cup in that year, a huge anniversary, the 150th anniversary, and what that does to your long-term thinking as the GM of this team? Well, this draft will, will be part of that, that's for sure. And then, you know, see where we are with, you know, with this group and with whoever we have, the nucleus of kids that are still going to be with us, and, and you know, in, in, uh, in 2018. And then, um, like any other team, you'll probably try and plug some holes. And if it is a year that we do, you know, win a bid and, uh, we'll do everything we can to make sure that we have, you know, not just a competitive team, but, but one of the most competitive teams in the Ontario Hockey League and hopefully one of the most competitive teams in Canada. Pat Higgins, general manager of your Ottawa 67s. Thanks very much, Pat. A great year. I know that a lot of people who went down to TD Place, first of all, it's nice to get back home for you, the players, but I think the fans as well. And what a home record you had this year incredible numbers at TD Place and uh, looking to build bigger and better come the next couple of years. And I guess that starts for you tomorrow with the priority selection. Thanks so much for your time. Good luck tomorrow, and we'll talk to you real soon. All right. Thank you, Lee. General Manager of your Ottawa 67s, Pat Higgins. Uh, what a year they had under new head coach, Jeff Brown, new assistant, Mike Eastwood, Pat Higgins, first year general manager, and so many young players. We mentioned it during the interview. Travis Connecting, Dante Salaturo, Jeremiah Addison, Liam Herbst in goal, and there were more. And this was a hard-working team that you know is going to be a better team next year. So on that note, that's going to do it for the Buzz on Junior Hockey, our season finale. We thank you for listening. We appreciate all the guests that made time for this program, and most importantly, you the junior hockey fan, because the cultivation, the building of these young players, regardless of whether they go on to the National Hockey League, the American Hockey League, the collegiate level, the CIS, or they get out in the workforce and are better people because of organizations like the Ottawa 67s and all of the organizations around the Canadian Hockey League. They build for the future, whether that be in hockey or not, and... Many, many people, including myself, thankful just to be in the business of junior hockey and watching some of the kids grow into men. That's going to do it. Thanks for listening to the Buzz on Junior Hockey here on TSN 1200.